Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. I'm so excited. Why? I'll tell you why. Because uh, as a journalist, (laughs) as a TV journalist, right, there is nothing I love more than putting photos of bad fuckers on the news so people know that they're bad fuckers, right? And today I did this story and I won't go into too much detail, but I did this story and I looked up their Facebook pages and there were so many photos of the bad people and I thought, you idiots, why haven't you deleted all your Facebook photos? Anyway, so then I put them all over the news and then they deleted their Facebooks after. And you'd already got them. Already got them. Oh, delicious. And I thought to myself, "Mm, if only you'd done that a day earlier. Got you. Great work. Got you. And I'm always amazed how how, um, frequently journalists go to Facebook. Yes. But that's the first thing I do. Your whole life is on there. Yeah, first thing I do. Good work. I was really happy to put them on the news and they were bad people. I'm dying to think which stories it was related to. I'll tell you not in the podcast because it could be too identifying. Shall we confess why we're speaking with urgency tonight with our podcast? Because I know that these episodes are not in, in the realm of time. They're not. The uh, they don't f- fit with that where mm. it will be, and also there are people listening to us in in countries other than Australia. Everyone Correct. in Australia at the moment is watching Married at First Sight. For people not in Australia, Married at First Sight sounds like the most absurd show ever. I feel like they have. And it I in was America. outraged about it when I first when it first started here. I was Were you? Outra- yeah, I was so on board from the, from the get go. Oh yeah. So people mm. get married, they haven't met before, and it all goes wrong, and they fight. And tonight is the final. Episode. <laughs> and losing her mind. And, we just can't. And, and it's one of those episodes where uh, the producers set them up to the shizen and show the entire group vision of things they hadn't seen that had happened during the season. I want to be a producer on that show. Even like I'd love to be a producer on The Bachelorette or The Bachelor. I yeah. would love it. I just spat. Sorry. Did you? I got so it. excited. Didn't even know. I don't care. But I would be like, because I'd love to be one of those people that's like, no, Katie, you're being dumb. Luke totally loves you. He told me last week that he loves you. Go and have a chat with him. And you they'd be like, no, I'm not doing much. this show anymore. And I'd say, you you are doing the show. Don't be silly. You look fabulous. You've had your hair and makeup done. Your bod looks rocking. Get in there. Go talk to Luke. <laughs> and really, Luke the whole time has been saying, I hate that bitch. Oh, so you'd set them up for a fall. Yeah, that's what you'd have to do on that show. Does that make me evil? I just think it would be fun. You're really I'm evil hyperactive today. I know, I know. I'm really evil, evil Chanel. So the texts went, was that you? Or, oh, that's Me. you. Christ, I've just realised we're going to miss epic maths. Kirsten, oh, my God, is that tonight? <laughs> when they show the videos, yes. Uh, screaming emoji, screaming terrified. And I've gone, get here quick. And then I sent that to my daughter who's at home furious with me because she yes. wanted to watch it with me. And she's gone, why are you doing your podcast tonight? Why, why, why? See? I said, don't worry, we'll be home. And I sent that little text exchange to her and she said, you've all fucked up. Yeah. Which is pretty much what this um, podcast is. But we're right, dedicated here, here in the moment. 
this started with David on Facebook who sent us a message that said, Hey, DB team, nice things, nice things. I randomly stumbled on an article on the old Paris morgue. Oh. This is right up your alley. Thank you, David. It is. Uh, and now the article that David sent us says that in Paris in the 1880s, you could visit what was called the only free theatre in Paris, La Morgue. Mm. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> you know. What is that? <laughs> Is that? Do you two not know that? Parisian it's like music? some French thing. Yes, it is. No, stop it. I don't know oh, what she's saying. Oh, you're trying to be. Are you trying to be Edith Piaf? Thank you, thank you, is thank you. That's what I mean. Edith Piaf. The morgue first opened its doors to the public in 1804 on Ile de la Cite. I don't know how to speak French, but I'm going to have a shot at it. Mm, of course. Before it's new for me, trying new languages. Uh, before moving to a new and larger building behind the Notre Dame in 1864, which was right next door to the River Seine. Mm-hmm. Bodies which were picked up off the streets or pulled out of the river that were unidentifiable mm. often uh, were put on display. So the public were, could come in and have a look at them and see if they could work out who they were. So, in other words, they were pulling bodies out of the river, finding like a lost them on the streets. And found. Yeah, well, they oh. didn't all ca- have their I license said that on them. Really, like a lost and found. I don't know why I said that. So, <laughs> well, they didn't all have anyway. their mobile phone with their mum's number no. in it that the cops could ring, nor did okay. they have a license or a passport mm. on them. They were just bodies at that stage. They were all wearing the same hessian frock or something. Mm. Uh, and apparently, Parisians at that time were very interested in corpses. They're very interested in nudity too, the French back in those days. I loved a bit of it. Um, So the morgue became one of the places to be seen. You went down to the morgue, yes. It was open seven days a week from dawn until 6 p.m. When you got there, or when the body, sorry, no, when the bodies got there, um, they were stripped, they were inspected, they were frozen, and then they were wheeled out on black marble slabs for display. Now, the morgue wasn't refrigerated until 1882. Yuck. Cold water would drip constantly from the ceiling. So the skin of the dead would become bloated and puffy. They had to be removed after three days because of decomposition, oh. at which point they would take a photo or a wax cast. Wouldn't you love to see those photos? <gasps> and dead people like that don't look like them. No, when they're all bloated. Yeah. Mm. How would you even know that was your loved one? Don't know. Some of the bodies, these were so popular, these displays, drew up to 40,000 people in a day. Like it literally was a big Cast event. Cast of thousands. Yeah. Uh, police would even stage public confrontations between a murderer and a corpse. So if someone, they suspected someone had killed someone. They'd take the murderer They'd there. bring the bloke they thought killed him in and stand him in front of the corpse to sort of make him feel awful Wig in front out. of everyone. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly like what you did. With your people with their photos. I didn't making do that. The, well, making the bad person, you know, face up to something. You've yeah. got their, their shitty Facebook posts and put yeah. them up. Uh, the morgue was finally closed to the public in 1907 over moral concerns. That took them a very long time <laughs> to, <laughs> to figure out. out that that was unpleasant. Now, one of the most famous bodies they ever dis- displayed there was Le, Le Connu de la Seine. Translation... 
the unknown woman of the Seine. In America, she was known as La Belle Italienne, which is weird because she wasn't from Italy. She was French. Some called her the drowned Mona Lisa. Oh. Now, the story is that the body of this young woman was pulled out of the River Seine in the Quai de Louvre in Paris in the late 1880s. The body had no signs of violence. It was thought that she might have committed suicide. Okay. Thrown herself off something or drowned or whatever. Sure. Um, a pathologist at the Paris morgue was so taken by her beauty that he made a wax plaster cast death mask of her face. Oh. I'm going to let you um, Google during this. If you look up the drowned Mona Lisa, you'll see a picture of her face. She was rather beautiful, but don't look up the stories because I'm going to okay. tell, tell you now. Okay. Uh, the death mask of her face, she was so beautiful, before long it started to appear for sale outside Mulder's workshops on the left bank. Um, it, she was inspiring artists, writers and poets, such was her beauty. They were creating artworks based on her looks and stories. Oh, yeah, she's cute. Yeah, she is. They were creating stories about her life as they imagined it had been and how her death. Uh, one story suggested she was an innocent young woman from the country who came to Paris, was seduced by a rich lover and then abandoned when she fell pregnant. With nobody to turn to, she drowns herself. That was the story everyone was telling. Uh, there's another version of the story that she was a twin that was born in Liverpool and this one ran off to Paris with her rich lover and was never heard from again. There was a time when in Europe her, her image was just the most popular thing. Like there was not a drawing room you could go into yeah, in, she's got a in really Europe that didn't have cute a mask face. Of her. Yeah. Then in nineteen fifty five, so it was back in eighteen eighty, nineteen fifty five, her story took a bit of a turn. A Norwegian man by the name of Asmund Lerdal saved the life of his young son, whose name was Tor. His boy had been drowning and Asmund grabbed the boy's body and it seemed like the little boy was dead. He cleared his son's airways and he was able to revive him. Now, Asmund was actually a toy manufacturer who specialised in making dolls from soft plastic, which was quite new in the 1950s. And he was asked to make a training aid for this new technique called CPR. Mm, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Mm. Well, it wasn't in the 1950s. Yeah. He was a bit keen. Given that, he'd gone through this incident with his son and CPR had saved his son's life. So he went, yeah, I'll do that. He made a plastic torso, which looks like an unconscious payment. We've all, a patient. We've all seen those. Oh, my those. God, I know what's going to happen. Yes, you do. Uh, we've all seen those mannequins that they yes. use in training. Yes. He wanted his <laughs> mannequin to have a natural appearance. Kirsty's laughing because I got snooty. Sorry. He thought <laughs> that a female doll on the CPR dummy and he thought, would be friendlier and more you know, easy for people to work on. Uh-huh. Uh, he remembered seeing the mask of the drowned Mona Lisa on the wall of his grandparents' house many years earlier. And he made her the face of what is known as Rosassi Ann. So that dummy that everyone does their CPR is it around on, homeless woman is called Rosassi Ann. Yes, and the face is that of the Lecon. I can't say so it, the drowned Mona Lisa. The drowned Mona Lisa is forever being kissed, being brought back to life, but not really. Yes, but, but well, think. Thank you. I was looking at it in a more romantic, lovely way that she's constantly being kissed. She's not constantly being kissed. Everyone in the world is doing to well, her what they should have done to her back in what year? 
1880. 1880, when she was bloody drowning. They estimate there are hundreds of millions of people who've trained on one of these drowned Mona Lisa Rassassian dolls. Um, a lot of people actually question whether she was actually dead, the actual face of the mask, because... She has an expression in it. Yes, exactly. She's not. got like a hint of a smile. Mm. Um the Paris River Police, who are known as the Brigade Fluvial, they specialise in recovering drowned bodies from the Seine and they say it's surprising to see such a peaceful face because her face does look very much like the Mona Lisa with a hint of a smile. Mm. They said everyone we find in the water, the drowned and suicides, they never look peaceful. They're swollen. They don't look nice. And even suicides fight for life at the last moment. So their faces mm. often betray that, that struggle yeah and then the process of decomposition starts very quickly in the um water and also the little smile she's got a dead person's jaw goes slack so there you are they say the value of the mask lies in its mystery the moment we have a name and a life story the mystery is dead there you are the drowned mona lisa i've never kissed her but well mm. done on those who have done their cpr training have you what would you do if i had heart attack right now Ask Kirst to do something. And what would Kirsten, what would you do? I have do? thought that I need to be able to do that. I need to do CPR training, but I haven't. Everywhere I turn up, the people are already dead. Staying alive. You just have to have the BG staying alive in your head. Haven't we done this in an episode of no. The Office? There no. was. There was one. An episode of The Office where they were training. Everyone, we need to pump at a pace of 100 beats per minute. Oh, okay. That's uh, hard to keep track. How many is that per hour? How's that going to help you? I will divide and then count to it. Right. Okay, well, a good trick is to pump to the tune of Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Do you know that song? Yes, yes, I do. I love that song. <clears throat> First I was afraid, I was petrified. No. Ah, 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 staying alive, staying alive. Ah, 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 staying alive, staying alive. Anyway, I don't know. It I might be, but staying alive is the easy one to remember. And I think you do 15 and then, okay, what have you got? Well, it's interesting that you've, you've done a story about unidentified dead people because I touched on it, I, don't, I can't know if it was the last episode or the episode before, recently. Heart Island. Uh, What's Heart Island? Uh, spelled H-A-R-T, not like the one inside you, Heart Island. It's the island northeast of the Bronx in New York. Oh. This is the one where one million people are buried. Are they really? Yes. Really? Yes. Why do they take them there? Well, it's where the city potter's field is. That's what they call it, the potter's oh, field. But you might think that everyone that's buried there is just buried there because they were homeless or unwanted, but this is not the case. So it's recently, and when I say recently, I mean in the last kind of 10 years, been revealed that so many of the people there are actually people that have been lost in the system. Mm. So some of them are war veterans. There's stillborn babies there. Um, and even people who donated their bodies to science have ended up on Hard Island. Stillborn babies, it just gave me a thought. Mm. A friend of my mother's gave birth in the early 60s to a stillborn baby in Darwin. Yes. And they took the baby away. Yes. She never saw it. This is, this is what's happened. They just take them. Yes, and then they just make the mother sign something saying, you consent to us getting rid of the baby. Yeah. And then they just take them. And the mothers don't know where they end up. No. But 
for mothers in New York, many of them have ended up on Heart Island. Now, you can Google Heart Island and you can see a picture of it mm. and there is nothing on this island. You can only get there by boat or you Google Look at me while I talk. While you're talking. Yes. So there are no grave markers on the island at all. Can't see there are no funerals. Got my glasses on. There I'm are doing it anyway. There are no funerals held on Heart Island. There are no flowers. There are only lot numbers. So at the entrance to Heart Island there is a small stone sign which calls the area New York City's Potter's Field. All of the bodies that arrive at Heart Island arrive by boat. And they are all in pine coffins. The island is entirely run by the Department of Corrections, and all of the burials are done by prisoners. Oh. Actually, in orange jumpsuit. That's creepy. Isn't it? So the entire island was under lock and key for 150 years, but recently people have been allowed in. Previously, the island was used as a civil war prison, a tuberculosis ward, an asylum, a drug rehab facility and a missile base. So on this island... Like the combo, isn't it? Yes. Mm. There are all these dilapidated... Is that the word? Dilapidated. Dilapidated buildings and just things that are falling apart, random buildings, but then there are all these graves. Imagine how many ghosts there are and skeletons. Well, across the island there are these white stones and each stone represents 150 people buried underneath it. Get out. They're all buried in rows of two, three people deep. Whoa. Yes. Each stone can also represent 1,000 babies. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I knew that would get to you. Oh. And the babies, in some cases, are buried with amputated body parts. Oh, no. I know. So. It's like they don't matter. Stories of those buried on Heart Island are slowly coming out now. One of those is a man called Herbert Sweats. Now, he was fighting in Vietnam when his 17-year-old wife gave birth to two, uh, I was about to say to two twins, but it would just be two twins, Mm -hmm. Um, but one of them died. When he arrived back home, he found out that his wife had agreed to a city burial and his baby, um, Aisha, ended up on Heart Island. Oh. Uh, so she did this at the time because she didn't know what a city burial meant. And oh, many people do it because they used to no. assume there's going to be some kind of proper burial, that they're not yeah. just going to be lumped into mass graves. So how did people visit their loved ones? So Elaine Joseph Sorry, had a child. Ahead. No, it's fine because so you're worried. Elaine Joseph had a child, Tamika. She was born a preemie baby in 1978. Tamika needed emergency heart surgery, but she died. She went into cardiac arrest. Now, she kept calling the hospital after the baby died, um, and they never got back to her. When she finally got onto someone, they said, the baby is gone. And she never knew what happened to the baby. Yes. Uh, We have some audio from Elaine. What do you mean the body's gone? They said, well, don't worry. The city will take care of it. She'll be buried with other babies and stillborns. My daughter's on Potter's Field. Potter's Field, the bums are buried there, indigents, people who had no families, unknowns. My daughter was not a bum. My daughter was not a pauper. She was a human being 
whose body got lost and got buried there, and her mother couldn't find her for 30 years. God. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Now, this is happening more and more, and people are realising that their loved ones are on Heart Island. I've got more audio from Elaine here. Each time I stand there, I know that my daughter is buried among a thousand babies, and this is not what I would have chosen for her. She was alive for five days. She deserved more than a mass burial. Anyone deserves. There's a million people there, and there's a million stories to be told. Goodness gracious, it's, it's so hard. She was alive for five days. Isn't that heartbreaking? Is that the heartbreaking part? She was a preemie baby, but she was alive for five days. She looked after that child for five days. Mm. Um, Elaine Joseph sued the city of New York. She was one of seven women to do so. She sued the city for her right to visit the grave of her child. Mm. And in 2007, she was one of the first people allowed onto Heart Island to visit her baby. This is the last bit of audio we've got from Elaine. We'll have a quick listen. That was another thing that made me terribly uncomfortable. I'm standing there grieving at the graveside of my baby, just trying to connect. And a, a correction officer standing nearby with his hand on his gun. It's, it's not what you want to do when you go to the, visit the grave of a loved one. It, it's, it's not comfortable. Oh, it's so painful. Isn't it? Yeah. So because the island is run by the Department of Corrections, it's run like a jail. You said that at the start. Yes. So when when Elaine went to visit, Mm. she had to be minded by a corrections officer. It's literally the same rules as going into jail. You have to hand over your mobile phone. You can't take photos. You can't have anything on you that a prisoner could. But why does the Department of Corrections run it? Oh, because Because the prisoners do the the burials. So they have to be guarded by men Mm. um, with, you know, full corrections officers with the whole police uniform and everything Mm. the entire time they're there. Now, a recent article I found by Dana Rubenstein, who writes for Politico, says that people are now actively trying to convince the state of New York to hand over control of the island um, so they don't have to be escorted by prison officers. They want it to go, I think it's it's kind of like the Department of Parks, Lands and Parks. They want it to be handed over um, to them. Uh, And now council member, I'm going to say this name wrong, it's Yadanis. No, I I know, I'm trying. I think it's... Look, do it like I do, loud, confident and wrong. Yadanis Rodriguez. That's it. Is reintroducing a bill that would transfer the 101-acre island from the Department of Corrections to the Department of Parks. That's what they want. Um, He's also sponsoring a bill that would establish a regular ferry service to the island. Now, there is an amazing website that you actually should look at because you would love it. It's called um, the Heart Island Project. It was set up in 2011. It's an incredible website. Um, It's completely interactive and it shows a map of the whole island and you can click over the island and see all the different plots and if you click a plot it will then come up with the 150 sort of little blocks for each person that's buried there Mm. and it will say uh, unknown male 29 years old died this date People are using this site to find their loved ones and you can add their story on there. So even if you can't go and visit them, Mm. you can add their story so they're not just an unknown. Um, 
the other thing that they've done is they've flown drones over the island mm. and you can see prisoners in orange jumpsuits bearing dozens and dozens of coffins. Gosh. The vision on it is absolutely incredible wow. and it's so well put together. Um as a direct result of the Heart Island project, the New York City Council has updated its administrative codes for operations requiring, requiring the Department of Corrections to make their burial records public. Mm. So they're now forced to kind of disclose how many people they're burying, who's going there um, and, and when they're being buried. Yeah. But more and more people are finding their loved ones on Heart Island. There was one case I read just off the top of my head where this sort of millionaires had donated her body to science and mm. her family just thought that, well, she's donated her body to science and, and that's that. Her body ended up after like four years of being prodded and poked yeah. on Heart Island and they had no idea. Oh, I suppose you wouldn't think if you've well, donated, said, you don't imagine there's going to be leftovers Yeah, after they've And done, they never yeah. said to the family, well, we're done with her now. Oh, because you don't want that back. Well, minus, do you? I don't know. Parts. But do you want her back and do you want her back to I be able would, to bury was, her properly yeah. or do you want to put her on Heart Island? Gosh. But yeah. I'm willing to bet, though, how many did you say? A million, over a million people. A million there. people. I bet there. there's more that aren't chased up than are being Oh, and there's so many. You can read so many stories online. There's another one about um, a woman who was, I don't want to say she was a slave, but she was like a housemaid, yeah. an African-American woman who was a housemaid and dearly, dearly loved. But when it came to her dying, she just ended up in a hospital and no one claimed her body. She because didn't have she's any... not family, obviously, yes. the family she worked for. Oh, so goodness. she ended up on Heart Island. There's war veterans that end up on Heart Island. There was one woman who had an entire funeral plan. She was the la She paid for her funeral, organised everything, but she was the last person in her family to die. All the rest of her family had just disappeared. And her, um, what's the word I'm looking for, her care was entrusted to a lawyer mm. who just never bothered to follow up the paperwork. And when she died, she was kept in a freezer for months and then she just ended up on Heart Island, even though she had a, a plot and everything, all her entire funeral paid for. But and no the, one, wow. No, and there's so many people that are buried on Heart Island because they just lost in the system. And are they still burying people there or is it? Yes, fair? they're still burying people there, non-stop burying people there. How much space can there be? Well, quite a lot Where when you're you doing two you rows, three deep. East, uh, where's my thing here? East of the Bronx. You can oh, Google yeah, it, okay. Heart yeah, Island, yeah. and it comes up. But go to the Heart Island Project website. I was in bed looking at it and Nicholas was like, you're crazy. What are you watching? Yeah, I'm going to have a look at that. And I was just, I was so pages. sad. And I was like, these are all dead people that have just ended up on this island. It's awful. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. Hmm. Fascinating. It's really fascinating. Yeah. And they have started letting journalists onto the island slowly because they're trying to kind of make it a thing where it's not this big secret. That's a good thing about the age in which we live and mm. the information age is that so many things that were covered up and like my mum's friend, you know, in the yeah. 60s, they just took the child. Yeah. I know he had a name. His name was Michael. Yeah. They just she, take the child but though. they just took him. Yeah. Well, you think, well, I can't have a burial. Am I going to have a funeral for a for a kid that's two days old or yeah. stillborn or what am I going to do? And they say, well, we can take care of it for you. And you go, okay. And then they end up on Heart Island. Amazing. Thank you. We'll have a, um, mm. a look at the link. We'll put that up on our social media. Uh, some feedback. This one's from Paula Louise. Email. 
deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com where we ask you, have you ever seen a dead body? Uh, Paula Louise says, dear Chanel and Dee Dee, oh, nice things about banter and laughter. Such and, nice things. Oh, that's nice stuff there. Kirsten gets a, a mention. A plug, yes. yes. Keeping the production in check. I don't know that we need to be kept in check. We do. I think she just lets us run right, doesn't she? Break all the furniture in the studio and stuff. Um, okay, Paula says, uh, I got, I'm going to jump straight to her peers. You may have influenced my possible career change. Oh. Instead of managing a party shop, I'm actually going to look at getting into the funeral mortuary industry. Yes. Wondering what kind of From experience you need. celebrations to commiserations. <laughs> getting to an entry-level yes. job. I'm great at customer service, smiling, winking emoji. Yes. Um, but she then does go on to explain because that's a bit of a leap, isn't it? Well. Kitties, parties, don't confuse the two. It's quite the sea change. Bury a child at the party. Mm. No, not on. But conversely, don't go to the funeral home and put hats on everyone and <laughs> silly string. Don't do that. Um, she says, my dad died at home last month. Oh, I'm sorry, Paula Louise. Uh, Mum called me at 5am and said I'd better come over. I packed my eight-month-old son into the car mm, and my husband drove tough. us the almost two-hour journey. Wouldn't that be the saddest trip ever? Mm. Uh, we made it just in time. Dad took three more breaths. Just mm. before his last one, I said, Daddy, your grandson is here. Beckett is here. And I put his hand on my baby's foot. He took one more breath and he was gone. I truly believe he hung on until we got there. I believe that. He totally looked like he was sleeping afterwards. Oh, I suppose if you're going to go, that's the way, isn't it? Uh, the lady that came to collect his body was lovely and got me thinking about the funeral industry. She was so calming and I like to think I'd be that for other people. The recent guests on your podcast podcast cemented the idea. Dad was an absolute larrikin. There was so much drinking, swearing and laughing at his funeral that at the end, the function room manager was trying to swipe the wine glass and bottle out of my hands so he could close the room. My cousin and I got away with all the wine. Dad wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Yes. Good on you, Paula. Thank you for that. It's interesting. I was having a conversation with a cameraman the other day and I was saying how if you're going to complain about all the shit people in the world, you have to make a really big effort at being one of the good people. Yeah. and but Not just being a good pe- a person but showing the public that you're a good person. Mm. The conversation originated from me helping a nana who was stranded on the side of the road and I oh, pulled over. Yeah, yeah, she looked bothered and the bonnet was up and she looked rattled. She was really old and mm. I pulled over and said, are you okay? Turns out she, an engine light had just come on and she'd freaked out. Yeah, that does freak you out. No, yes, and I rang my dad. That. He's a mechanic. Called Papa Vella, put him on speaker, assured her that she was okay. She was actually heading – it takes me a long time to get home from work, sometimes an hour. She was heading the same way I was going. And I said, if you have any dramas, here's my number. Call me. I'll come get you. Oh. And then I was saying that we need to be the good people. And that's like, yeah. you know, if you think that you're going to be good at a funeral job, then yeah. you should do that because yeah. then you can show other people that you're there's good people in the world. Keep in touch, Paula Louise. Tell yes. us when you make the big jump. We reckon you'd be grouse at it. Same. Okay, I've got an email from Kim. She says, oh, my God, OMG, ladies. Whoa. Sorry, formalities, nice things, nice things. Thank you. Okay, so now that's out of the way. Let me say again, OMG. What? Kim says, so I grew up with a dad who was born and raised in, now it's Wagga Wagga, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And went to school with 
Lenny Lawson. Uh, oh, Leonard Lawson, who we spoke of, oh, whatever episode. You remind One people about who Lenny ones. Lawson is. Uh, yes. I Can I remember? Even yes, I Lenny Lawson about. was the guy who was with the bikini models and he had the That's weird right. briefcase. He was an artist photographer yes, but did and the Lone Avenger comics. he just turned into a mad rapist. Yes, and he um, killed two teenage girls. Yes. Yep. Now she says, I remember clearly as a child my father telling me he went through school with a boy who later raped and murdered women. This is like you when you came out with your rapist friend. He used to use the name all the time, hence why it stuck in my head. Wow, when I heard the latest podcast, I just had to write in. My father passed away some years ago now and I have recently been trying to type his autobiography and Lenny gets a mention. Oh, my dad likes doing that for people that die that he knows. He starts writing enormous pages of information about them and then he gives it to their loved ones. And sometimes I say to him, yes. you can't force all those things on people because you're <laughs> handing over like an actual manifesto about that person and they may not want to read it, but, but now they feel like well. they have to. He means well. He does. He's got a good heart. He, oh, absolutely. He does it. He writes pages and pages of information for these people. Okay, so she back to Kim. Kim says, my father had a pet cockatoo that used to sit on the gate and wait for all the children to pass on their way to school. Cocky got scratches and pats from everyone and loved them all. Except Lenny. Oh, really? The cocky knew. My dad wrote that every time cocky saw Lenny, he would launch at him and attack him. Yes. Dad said he would literally chase him up the street. My dad always said he was a creepy kid, not the dad, Lenny, yeah. and used to sneak around under stairs and toilets trying to get a look at girls' underwear. Isn't that kind of normal, though, for boys? Don't boys do that anyway? There's a real taboo thing about underwear when you're a kid. You don't I want boys like, to look at you. Yeah, undies. boys do that. That's why you wore bloomers. The girl, no, well, the girls these days wear like the little bicycle shorts yeah, under their school dresses. Bloomers. Wished we'd had that. I did. Well, they're not bloomers. You know, like the little black bicycle shorts. Yeah. Otherwise, how would you do cartwheels? Because oh. then boys would see your undies, so you could only do cartwheels if you had bloomers on. Okay. So when I was seven. I went to school and, well, two terrible things happened because I hung upside down on the monkey bars. One time I hung upside down on the monkey bars and I heard Mark Rivets laughing at me. And he, oh, Forgot he, to put your undies on. I still had on. I used to have a little baby doll pyjamas that had like a set of bloomers oh. and then like a little yeah. bit that went on top. And I still had my pyjama bottom bloomers on, not proper undies. Oh. I hadn't got dressed properly in the morning. That's one story. And the next time I was wearing school tunic and I was hanging upside down and it goes over your head. Yeah. And I felt something hit me on the tummy, oh. but I didn't know. And it wasn't until I got home that night and got undressed out of my school uniform that on my shirt was a bird poo. So when I'd oh. been upside down, the bird had pooed and it landed on my shirt. And we I used felt to hang, We used to hang upside down and sing, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Why? That's really strange. Why are we singing a 60s girl song? That's what we That's very strange. And that's what we used to do. You're not even myself and Angela Saltis. Don't know why I remember her name like that. You know how you know? Of course, I remember her name. Yeah, Mark because I wrote him in the school play. I was Mary. Mum had made me my Mary costume. Yeah. And well, I, he was the donkey. We were hanging upside down singing It's My Party and I'll Cry If I Want To. Well, how about that? Well, how about that? Okay, back to Kim and Creepy Lenny. 
my dad always said, yes, he was a creepy kid and he'd look at girls' underwear mm. by hiding underneath the staircase. My dad always felt that animals had a sixth sense when it came to seeing evil in people. Yeah. And if your pet didn't like someone, then you should take notice. Yes, I agree. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, she says, I remember in the 60 Minutes interview clearly as an adult, as my father recorded it and was disgusted at how pathetic Lenny was. Mm. Um, only ever thinking of himself. He and I both agreed he should never be let out and we were relieved when he died a short... We were relieved when he died a short time later. A part of our criminal history that my father unwittingly was a very small part of. Keep up the great work. You gorgeous pair, she calls us. Thanks, Kim. Kim. That was episode 44. If you do want to go back and hear the full story of Leonard Lawson, including the 60 Minutes interview. Well, a part of it anyway. Okay, now we have to go watch batshit crazy people getting married to <laughs> other batshit crazy at people. At first sight, yes. Mm. Sorry we're distracted, but look, we're here with you. and No, it's we were very involved in that. We were present. And we'd like to hear your dead body stories. Have you ever seen one? Uh, deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.